Yeah, I've heard the talk. Town this size, it's hard not to. They say the work we do, it ain't fit for human beings. Thing is, I once saw someone almost lose a step, fall right into a vat of lead. Saw another almost lose a finger fooling around with them hydraulic presses. You know, they might have a point. But we decent folk out here. We just trying to make an honest buck like the rest of y'all. Tell something else come by, working at the plant. That's the best we got. And they don't do bad by us either. At least me and mine. I get holidays off. They're checking on the little ones. And I even got a whole dollar raise within the last few years. Now that's more than what most folks can say. It might not be much. But we work with what we got. And at the end of the day, what you gonna do? Hey folks, Noah here. I just wanted to jump in at the top of the episode to leave an additional content warning real quick, letting you know that we deal pretty straightforwardly with the issue of HIV and AIDS uh, around a child today. I think we handle it well, and you'll see that we've come to this choice with as much gravity, both narratively speaking and kind of personal stakes speaking as we can. And I've left in the discussion we've had around this choice so that you know we didn't come to it lightly. We're not just throwing issues like this around. We are trying to handle them carefully while at the same time giving our story the dramatic weight that our characters are bringing to it. So that all starts around minute 14 of this episode. Uh, It'll be pretty obvious as we are getting into the discussion All right, thanks again for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of Coven. Welcome to Coven, an actual play horror podcast. You can find our content warnings, as always, in the episode description. We're on Twitter at coven underscore podcast, online at covenpodcast.com. Our theme music is by the ineffable Ben Cronin, and our cover art is by the wonderful Daniel Stetner. I'm Noah Lloyd. You can find me online at Noah Gola. We've got Gary Slack. Hey, I'm Gary Slack, and I'll be playing Robert Chesmer. Kiefer Katz. Hi, I'm Kiefer Katz. You can find me on Twitter again, I guess, at Huff Dadson. Um, and I'm playing Samson Sycamore. And Sharon Merriam. Hey, I'm Sharon. I'm playing Joan Bataille. And if you have a second to hop over on iTunes, leave us a rating and a review that helps other folks find the show, which would be great and excellent and much appreciated. We have two statements that describe our town, where we're playing, and... Uh, the look of our sorcery. It's a striated Gulf Coast town full of strip malls, and there are unseen doorways and visceral decay. 
I have a few GM goals, which I haven't mentioned in a while, which are to make the NPCs people with their own agency and drives. I want to empower our players to play their characters as hard as possible, make the setting feel like the 80s in both glitz and grit, and make violence short, brutal, and consequential. All right. So let's jump right into it. Uh, I don't think it's been very long since the end of episode 11, where Samson bound a new demon to himself called Ectrix, which is a, um, a plague doctor, which is all of these new abilities that he has access to now. But let's start with Joan. Um, you said at the end of last session that your goal was going to be, and we can, we can shift back in time a little bit. I'm imagining that this is kind of the next morning. Um, but if there's stuff that you wanted to do kind of that evening, we can totally go that route as well. But you said that you were going to try to find Travis Trent and maybe find out more about him. How are you, what's your plan going in that direction? Um, gosh. I mean, I guess there would have been newspaper clippings about him For getting sure. out of prison, right? So I yeah. think perhaps a little library trip trying to find out <clears throat> anything in the newspapers about you know where he might be living or what he's doing now that he's out of prison might be a good place to start mm -hmm. okay so you're so you're heading to the library then is what it sounds like yeah cool yeah let's do that okay which which robert has already done kind of some similar investigation at the library though not in this particular direction right i don't think he had a specific I don't think he had the name Travis Trent to work with. Um, yeah. I think we can call this a lore. Um, yeah. I'm going to clear the... So listeners at home who who wouldn't know, we have switched everything over to Roll20, which will hopefully be a bit more straightforward for us, but it's going to take a little getting used to. Joan just rolled her lore. I'm going to... Um, I need to kind of extrapolate. I'm not going to make this too tough. Okay. Because we, we actually know the antagonists that um, Joan is rolling against, which would be the um, kind of the sheriff and Elijah and Ezekiel from way back in the day who are trying to hide things. And um, uh, Jake Brown, actually, from the original conspiracy trying to, to frame Travis Trent. So I just rolled... Um, 3d8 for kind of a lore score from because it was a long time ago um, and that seems like kind of the right thing to me at the moment rolled an eight which matched with the highest one of Sharon's but then Sharon uh, or Joan rather beats the other two scores so Joan I think you're what does this look like I mean you kind of know the secret right you know what you're going to find here which is uh, news about oh actually and I, I have something new for you actually which I'll add Ooh. but what you're gonna find is uh, stuff from the kingdom game about Travis Trent being framed and you're able to kind of put it together right that there are these holes um, a lot of this is stuff that Jake has already told you which probably reflects mm -hmm. why this was easy enough um, but the other thing that I think you find by following Trent's path a little bit through the news is you find news of riots which happened at the penitentiary he was housed in. Um, mm. Let me get back there to my notes here. These riots occurred on October 31st, 1980, 
Mm-hmm. So four years ago. And uh, they've come to be known as the Halloween riots. A bunch of guards got killed. The warden was killed uh, in these riots. And there are... You even managed to find a... It's probably like some small magazine article with a quotation tucked away inside it that says that's like a quote from an inmate talking about how i don't know maybe you don't find it in a magazine i'm trying to think that the riots were started by travis trent is the information you find maybe it's less important that we focus on the on the specific detail but that um there is a a like layer of fear which is overlaid trent here in 1980 which you don't see in the earlier writings about him right like that trent was kind of a he was a bit of a wanderer and he went from construction site to construction site but was never really in any major trouble with the law probably like you know public drunkenness that kind of thing but otherwise um or or actually i think remembering back to the kingdom game that he had committed some smaller crimes but never anything big And so there was always a level of shock around this apparently senseless killing of a high schooler. Yeah. So you you are tracking, you know, knowing that he was framed in the 60s up to 1980, something changes with him. Um, So that's something you identify. She's she's obviously seen him attack her mom with like a demon dog anyway. So she, I assume knows that he's some kind of a sorcerer um but do you think that she might be able to find out anything from the newspapers about where he might live in case she kind of wants to like Mm, mm -hmm. case him a little bit yeah sure that's good well what what do you think where do you think this guy might be hiding out like like regionally maybe if we were to think about what we know of the livery probably not like main street um i mean he could be hiding out in the clearing he could be yeah, weren't there some like little like shacks around the clearing? There was there was one particular shack that we burned down at the yeah. end of the kingdom. <laughs> I don't know what do uh, what do other folks think about this about where he might be hiding out in terms of places that we know exist already in the livery. No, I was just thinking clearing stuff, but then I mean I know we also have kind of like the beachy area, but that might be a bit more mm. expensive. I don't know that he would have a job immediately um, mm-hmm. after getting out, so. What was the name? Could he be like? Oh, what's the current status of the Shay J? Like, has it fallen on hard times? Is it like an SRO where people are like crashing and in and out of trouble? I think I think the Shay J is right by the beach. Yeah, I think it's actually doing okay because, like, I think one of the things that makes the livery special is its boardwalk, right? And that its boardwalk is Mm -hmm. kind of a tourist destination a little bit. For it, for like locals, I am, I don't imagine people are flying in from New York to go to the boardwalk, but it's it is like a local spot <laughs> to go. Um, and I actually that I I think I know what he's doing. So yeah, yeah you're able to. I'm trying to think about how you do it, just because my my like the investigative side of my brain wants to know what the detail is that leads you to this. Yeah, I mean it. Yeah, I don't I don't know how much would possibly be in like a new in the library movies. right exactly yeah. um i mean what you find out and maybe we can we can think about what the route exactly was but what you figure is that it actually looks like he's working in willie may's old job that he's working as the 
basically the, the arcade the janitor at the arcade yeah okay yeah that sounds good so she I can was, i was gonna suggest that yeah or not exactly <laughs> that but he is just hanging around the arcade you know maybe it's a case of arrested development where he wants to you know he's doing the thing that he probably used to do which was play at the arcade before yeah. all this stuff happened mm-hmm. yeah, yeah no and I, I think he's actually gotten a job yeah i like that detail that that um gary is suggesting that um so here here's maybe what it is and and i think gary has given me this is you know you find something in a newspaper about how someone says like oh yeah he just used to hang out at the arcade and he seems so harmless and so you start thinking oh maybe the arcade is somewhere i should check out since that's where he checked out that's what he was that's where he used to hang out is the word sentence i'm trying to say and um you know, you make a quick phone call and say like, hey, have you seen anybody named Travis Trent down there? And he says like, oh, yeah, he's uh, he's our janitor. Do you need him? I can get him on the phone. Yeah. OK, so I think Joan would just be like, uh, no, no, thanks. OK. And then just like hang up. OK. But I think that she would. I mean, I don't know if we want to do this in this episode or if we want to hold off on that. But I think that she would likely go down there and kind of like observe a bit. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah. yeah, we can get to that whenever you want to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's cut over to Samson and we'll see just kind of how things play out. So Samson, morning after you've summoned and bound Ectrix to yourself, um, you had this kind of unsettling moment in the middle of the night uh, to remind folks how last episode ended where you woke up and Ectrix had obviously been kind of whispering in your ear. Um, it's the next morning. Sylvia is going off to work, so you're about to have the house kind of to yourself for a bit. I mean, I imagine you can roll into work a little bit late, and she's not going to bat an eyelash. Um, the other kids are around, but, you know, they go off and do their own thing. It's summer now, so they're, you know, playing in the yard, that kind of thing. What's your plan? Um, what is my plan? Where can you give me better notes on where my children are? Yeah. Can you tell me where, I mean, like, where's Roxy? Well, Roxy's an infant, right? So she, I mean, I guess how infant is infant? Is she walking yet or is she still in like a crib? What are you, what are you thinking about her kind of mobility status at this point? Uh, Let's have her be like nine months old. So she's like cute and crawling and interesting, but Mm -hmm. not like really self-sufficient. Okay. So I think let's, let's just give you this. Um, Sylvia... She's got a cigarette dangling from her lips as she like hands you Roxy, says that um, the babysitter should be by in an hour. Um, Dorian's up in his room reading. Uh, Millie and Solomon are in the backyard. What's a good like 80s activity that kids could do together? Lawn darts. Perfect. Yeah, they're in the backyard doing lawn darts and you can look out and see Millie kind of like you know doing doing the good big sister thing of of like taking care of her younger brother and hanging out with him a little bit Wait, what are lawn darts they're a super banned toy that kids killed themselves with that are like oh, literally god. like little mini spears that you would oh, throw <laughs> into your lawn as darts got you okay i don't know when they were banned i might be fucking up our chronology here but they were definitely a thing in the universe of the livery, lawn darts have not been banned yet. Banned yet. All right. After some injuries and one death but caused by lawn darts, they have been banned in the United States and Canada. Oh, not until 87. We're in great shape. Perfect. 
Perfect. Mm. <laughs> so Sylvia just says over her shoulder as you're heading out, or as she's heading out, excuse me, make sure they don't hurt themselves with those things. I've been hearing some weird stories. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, uh, so the sitter's here in an hour. I'm, I can be late to work, I guess. Um, thanks. Thank you, honey. I'm I'm really I I appreciate you letting me me go in a little early. Yeah, there's coffee though, right? Oh yeah, yeah, of course. She gives you a, a kiss okay. on the cheek. Um, I had a lot of fun at the at the Rogue the other night. We should we should go again. Yeah, if you didn't mind time, me, right? you know, tagging along. No, you can see why I spend so much time there. Hmm, that's true. Yeah, we'll go again. It's fun to have you. Gives you another uh, peck on the other cheek, and then she leaves. Heads out. Hell yeah, husband of the year. Now, <laughs> I need to go find out whether or not my nine-month-old daughter has AIDS. <laughs> husband <laughs> of the year. Yeah, so, I mean, my kids are outside. I have a demon nearby and a nine-month-old, right? Like, mm-hmm. it seems like a really good time to use the powers of perception. I think so. What does it look like... What does it look like for Ectrix to do this? We've talked about, like, in, in terms of the way he presents visually, there's a lot of, like, water and kind of slimy swamp stuff going on with him. How does he How does he check Roxy out? I think he does something gross. Uh, <laughs> maybe not, like... I think maybe they have to do, like, bath time. Right. Um, I think like Samson takes his daughter to the tub and like runs a bath and Ectrix is like standing over the tub um, mm-hmm. or maybe even is in the bathtub. But like with his long, terrifying plague doctor legs kind of like bowed out and the baby is in between them and doesn't really make contact or anything, just is like floating happily. Mm-hmm. And the... I think the water gets dark and slimy and like swampy suddenly um, as they're talking or as, Mm. as like the, after the demon, I think the demon is in the tub as the bath runs and the water starts out fine. And like, if this was a camera shot, right, we would see the like baby in the tub and the water running and like, it's all cute and sweet. And then, pull back a little bit and you see the plague doctor's legs and pull back more and there's just like this man sitting by the side of a bathtub and this as the camera pulls back a demon that's like reaching almost to the ceiling in a plague doctor mask Mm -hmm. like looming over this infant and as the demon leans down closer and closer to the point where the plague doctor mask is like so close to the baby's head the water just turns into swamp water like all of a sudden Mm -hmm. and then something happens maybe it's like the same uh it can't it would be different um i think that's where we're at and then i don't know what it looks like for i think it depends on i don't know um like a little bit of water could get into her mouth i want there to be some sort of like tracing of her veins or something happening in her Mm -hmm. it's it's all blood again right yeah so kind of kind of what i'm thinking is is that ectrix reaches his fingers down we've described him having these really long 
inhuman fingers and he reaches them down into the water and that's when it turns this kind of like you know brackish black color i'm trying to decide if i don't think that there's that i'm gonna call for a role here just because like it's not like aids is trying to hide from you right there isn't a will yeah even a delayed, you know, the the role previously was because of the delayed wills of people trying to hide Trent or, or hide the um, conspiracy around Trent. But a disease doesn't really work that way. So I don't think there's any, even though perception, you know, adds the demon's power to a score, you're going to be, what it's doing is making it visible to you, I think. And so Roxy's veins start to, um become more visible right it's like they're glowing within with a light from inside and i'm gonna because i think that this is gonna make for better radio i think i'm gonna kind of leave this up to you and to the group discussion a little bit does she have has she contracted the same disease if she has I mean, and we can talk about what the repercussions for your character are a little bit, right? So this is the resolution of your kicker from way back in the beginning. You know, your kicker is the thing that sets your your character down a new path. Um, so this is the resolution of this kicker. If she has contracted AIDS, then that's your new kicker, right? Is figuring out how to heal her. What do we think? I mean, what, what do you think, <laughs> Kiefer? Um... I think it's like really a question for I would like to ask you all actually because everyone else here is like more horror-y than me and I think it comes down to like are we like for lack of a like are we in a charming upbeat horror film or are we in like a idle hands or are we in like the witch where at the end everything is absolutely terrible like, right. I mean, I don't think it has to be absolutely terrible, but it's good to have a challenge. Yeah, I, I just like don't know truly like how if if it seems like within scope of the story that we're all trying to tell for a nine month old infant to have contracted mm-hmm. yeah, that's HIV. Because it's super dark, but like also it's a horror story. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, and that's it's, why I want us to have this this conversation. It's definitely darker than, but. It's not like HIV wasn't already a factor in this podcast. Mm-hmm. So it's not like we're just shoehorning it in. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. When you mentioned The Witch Keeper, were you talking about that uh, the, the most recent one with like yeah. New England witches? Yeah. Uh, man, that was a miserable watch. <laughs> I haven't watched, I don't watch horror movies. I just read the synopsises synopses on wikipedia so that i know what people are talking about yeah i actually I really you liked were, like the... really hip on it on horror actually only compared to me of, yeah i just read about i i i wish i liked horror but i'm an actual coward and yet here we are <laughs> i know yeah I, I don't know just for me personally um i i have no doubt that if we were to go down that road, we'd be able to do so, you know, tactfully, but still not like sacrifice any aesthetic, like, mm-hmm. or just any kind of like commitment to the story. I, I know we wouldn't do like the, you know, just being edgy, you know, like, I'm not, yeah, it's, 
I don't know. I don't know. It's a hard. Um, I mean, what happens to it. what happens to his like his kicker if um if she doesn't? Well, then we have to come up with something new, right? Okay. Then then Kiefer and I probably off uh either off mic or in like a bonus recording for later down the road need to have a discussion about what the new kicker becomes. Yeah. Does it have to be a? Does it have to be HIV though? Like, could could it not be like? I don't know. Could we do a thing where it's like the allegory is similar to HIV AIDS, but it's not HIV AIDS, yeah. or does it have to be HIV AIDS? Like, I've seen many like an anime or just other media where like, oh, the young kid has like iron poisoning, like in One Piece, and part of the character's like goal is to find a cure for this particular kind of poisoning. Mm-hmm. Um, do we want to cross that line and say this nine-year-old, the nine-month-old kid has AIDS, and we'll, you know, play it straight like that, or do we want to say that like actresses, like influence has made this child sicker, and then allow like the audience and other folks to like, you know, do whatever kind of allegorical guesses they'd like to do with that? Yeah, I mean, we we do also have the whole like demon supernatural element, so it doesn't even have to be. Like, it doesn't have to be HIV. Like, we could go with a more supernatural affliction if we... Mm. I mean, like you're saying, yeah. I mean, we do... That That's actually making me think we do have precedent on this show. And, I mean, heads up, I'm leaving this conversation in. Like, I want, I want the audience to hear us have this kind of mm-hmm. conversation. But, like, we do have precedent on this show for for like demons being transmitted right <laughs> like yeah with that's, joan and, and ruby yeah yeah with joan and ruby where ruby tried to summon something while ruby was pregnant and instead it attached itself to joan and and similarly even with Kiefer's demon um yeah abby came from abraham via iv drug use yeah 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 so i, I mean it- it might be interesting to go that route somehow. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, because what I was saying, like, my my concern over the analog is that we know that Samson has contracted HIV, right? Like, that is that is an established fact in the show mm-hmm. at this point. And so that's what it, if if she's contracted something, that's what it makes sense for her to contract. Unless, I mean, and here's, here's kind of the alternative pitch that's building from what y'all are saying is that um, maybe a Balazette split like maybe there is is a Balazet 2.0 and I'll have to come up with a new name for whatever this creature is in Roxy, which makes for an interesting angle because then, you know, that's something that Joan has experience with that Samson might want to reach out to Joan for. Yeah. What are you thinking, yeah. Kiefer, about these these options? Um, I think that to be true to this, I guess I feel like it's not really... It's kind of giving the entire arc short shrift and pulling the punch of like, right. what's the point of giving Samson That's HIV the other concern, yeah. If Word. there is no impact to it. But I'm also I mean, thinking about how on his own life. Right. But I'm and I guess the thing I'm also thinking about like how it would get for his daughter to be infected, his wife would also have to be. That's true. And um like it's passed through like the placenta and stuff or like it's either passed through the placenta or during actual birth and i think probably the we i'd need to look up like percent chances of that but i think like the most interesting thing for me 
would be the idea that Samson had infected Sylvia with both whatever this, like, Abalazet split was, or, like, maybe Abalazet was, like, thinking about bailing on Samson or whatever mm-hmm. it was. Um, and then when given the opportunity to like actually do this like full split took it and was like wait i don't i don't need to just bail i can start this whole new life or however the demonology of that happens mm-hmm. so i think it has to be both i think it's both like minorly or like partially possessed by a demon that i am currently thinking of as zeddy in my head <laughs> and also um infected or positive hiv positive okay so we're we're actually leaning into both yeah, I'm, I, like, I think that's okay. the most interesting thing. Yeah, I mean, I I agree, right? Like, I think in in terms of keeping keeping the stakes as high as we can, like, I think that that's the direction we go in. So, okay. Um, and then Sylvia also just has straight, right, right, like, just has the medical HIV condition, right, right. Okay, so that's the that's the direction we're going. Um, I will. I'm going to make a note to put a content warning, like a recorded content warning at the start of this episode. You know, people are listening to us now. Like I was in a completely unrelated Zoom meeting and someone was like, hey, you know, I've been enjoying the podcast. Congrats. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I'll keep it G with y'all. Like for us, like for a real minute, I was like, one, what are you talking about? You know, <laughs> <laughs> <What> podcast. <laughs> and then I was like, oh yeah, Coven. Like because it doesn't feel like we're recording. Um, you yeah, know, it feels a lot like just playing and with friends. It's just Good. yeah, it's like we're just shooting the shit. Um, but there are people who listen to us. Yep. Um, and you know, it's yeah. I mean, and that's that's part of my reasoning behind wanting to keep in this conversation about is this the direction we go in? Right. Because I want folks to 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 see that we are trying to be considered about these choices. Okay, so Ectrix has stuck his fingers into the uh, into the water and Roxy's veins glow um, with this inner light and. Samson, you see the indication of sickness. What is what is the indication that she has contracted HIV? What does that look like? Is it just that the light is like muted? Is it? Yeah, that's almost exactly what I was gonna say. Okay. Just like thinking of immunodeficiency virus, right? Like I think it's place like you can think of the glow as the healthy parts of her. Mm-hmm immune system of her bodily response and like the places where it's not working it's like dimming or like there's a visual of there's some like it's flickery it's like almost, almost yeah flickery or sparking almost mm-hmm. like there's a, a clear sign that something is amiss yeah yeah i like that a lot okay um and how does samson react right ectrix i think doesn't say anything but samson you can you know right you can tell from what you're seeing how does samson react badly does he manage to hold it together i think i mean i think probably roxy starts crying because she's scared because things are weird and babies cry Mm -hmm. would she be able to see ectrix i think if it's doing something around her then yeah and she has demony stuff in her yeah 
then yeah, I think she starts crying and maybe like Samson goes to pick her up because and is just like getting soaked with this like weird swampy water mm-hmm. and I think yeah, I think he is like shaking and like just holding his screaming naked child close to him while he's like still wearing his pajamas or something mm-hmm. and there's the demon in the background of the scene just sort of like looking at them like a curious bird mm-hmm. um, i mean and, and he's samson is probably apart. weeping right like at this discovery at that his own actions have produced this result yeah i yeah I don't think like sobbing, but I think yeah, like right. definitely crying. Mm-hmm. And then Ectric says, that's not all. There's something, something else has, has hitched a ride. I believe you're familiar with Abalazet. And you realize he's not speaking to you, but is speaking to Abalazet. And then another mm-hmm. like cog clicks into place for Samson. So I actually want to cut there. And because I think that's basically Kiefer's new kicker um, mm-hmm. for Samson. And let's jump over to Robert. So Robert's plan was to go talk to his folks. Is that still next step or does he want to do something in between? Um, no, we can uh, cut right to the house. Cool. So I want to I want to start introducing some weather effects it's such a strange way of of saying that it's raining is all i really mean (laughs) as you're approaching the house you grew up in there's a light rain that started to fall and it's dark like it looks like evening as you're as you're making your way there even though it's it's still probably morning or midday Um, but there are enough clouds in the sky that it has darkened and um, the rain hasn't really started pouring yet but it looks like it might as you're making your way to the house, or as you reach the house, I should say, in the lawn, you see that there's just some dude hanging out on the lawn. He's smoking a cigarette. He's wearing like a leather jacket and jeans. And he, he kind of looks up and notices you as you approach. Guy's probably in like his his late 20s, early 30s. Hey, yo, you good? Like, what's, 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 what's going on? Yeah, I'm good. You good. I help you. Hey, uh, I should be asking that. Um, you, you know who lives here? Uh, I think it's the Chessmords. That's right. Um, do you know who I am? I haven't got a clue. Can I help you? Well, if you knew the Chessmords, you knew I'd be their son. Um, so I ask you again, what you doing here? You, uh, you Robert. That I am. Uh, your, uh, your folks got a visitor. You should go on inside. And he, he kind of flicks the cigarette to the ground, st- stomps it out with his foot. Mm. Hey, he gonna pick that up? He uh, he just smiles at you. Waits to see see if you make a move or not. Well, once you're done stargazing, skygazing, you know, you can pick that up and, you know, be on about your business. Uh-huh. And then Robert just kind of ignores the guy and walks past inside. Him. Okay. Yeah. Um, you come inside, you probably shake yourself off. Is there like a moment where you call out like, like who's in our yard or anything like that? Or do you just walk in to, to see what's going on? Oh no, he's definitely like, Hey, yo, like there's some weird dude outside. Y'all know who this dude is? 
And as you enter, you see your mom, your dad seated on the um, couch. Uh, They're both smiling. They look like chill and happy. And there are actually two people in the room with them. And you recognize both of them as they stand up. Will you introduce Jerry Fuller to the audience for us a little bit? Oh, Oh, goodness. Mm, Who? Um, Jerry Fuller was Robert's professor slash mentor um, of, what was it, music, music sociology or Musicology, yeah, with. musicology. Yeah, musicology, boom, boom, um, at Howard University. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And was also kind of a, um, and is a sorcerer, is something else that we should point yes. out. Um, yes. You went to Howard right after getting MLAC, um, and... You know, Willie May could provide you a little bit of guidance, but Professor Fuller gave you um, some more, like, kind of specific, refined help. The other person who is with him is his kind of protege, Anita Q. Anita Q, yes. Um, So Anita Q is Fuller's protege and at one point was Robert's musical rival, if you will. vying for Fuller's attention. Um, but it wasn't a, it was always a friendly rivalry. And Anita, like even on Robert's best day, uh, was the superior musician. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Can I also just add that like Anita Q's uh, band, which she, I'm, I'm just freestyling this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Anita Q's uh, band is uh, one might play at the haunt. Not haunt. Is it the haunt? The rogue. rogue? It? It's the rogue. <laughs> the rogue. I, I gotta. We, we should have named it the haunt. Um, <laughs> to um, her band name is "What's the Question," uh, starring Anita Q. <laughs> I, I love it. What's the question, starring Anita Q? Yeah. So I think that she is kind of more based out of the East Coast than the Gulf Coast. So it's been a while since you've seen her, but maybe she's toured through the area before um, and and has played at the Rogue. Would you, actually no, we, we can do that in a minute. So uh, the two people you see are Professor Fuller and Anita Q. And, you know, Fuller stands up. Uh, Anita's kind of leaning against the, um, like the breakfast bar of the kitchen counter behind him. Uh, smiles when he walks in. Fuller stands up. He looks happy to see you. I'm imagining his his vibe is kind of like slacks, loafers, uh, like black turtleneck, that kind of thing. And he, um, yeah. How do you how do you greet him? Um, so Robert goes from like a hundred back to zero um, because his face just lights up, and you know it's like. Hey now, what's what's going on, mm-hmm. Doc? Anita, what's what's up? Do y'all actually like embrace? Are you that tight, or is it just like a like a handshake? Yeah, or, it's or what? it's it's embrace. Um, okay, cool. To both. Cool. Yeah. So they they give you a hug. Uh, yeah. Go ahead and make me a lore roll and i'll give you a bonus just for the just for the embrace of anita here uh robert rolled an eight a four and a two i am rolling for something's oh bad roll um highest i rolled was a six 
I was rolling something else's lore. So that's good. You notice that Anita looks a little bit different than the last time you saw her. Anita, you never was never a um a sorcerer so far as you knew. But when you see her this time, she has um there's a tattoo like on her collarbone, which is like just visible through the the neckline of her dress. And you can tell that it is a kind of a sorceress design that she has some kind of demon bound to her oh. now. Um no, oh, should I have played out that conversation? No, no, no. Oh, you, okay. you don't have to. I was, I was waiting for a reaction. But if there's, if you're holding on, that's fine. Yeah. So Professor Fuller, he just, you know, he he smiles. He gives you a hug. Says, "I was, uh, I was here to to see you, actually, Robert. You'll have to have to forgive Horton outside. Horton's, uh, he's he's an employee of mine." Uh, I just asked him to kind of keep an eye on things, but I, I came here to see you, and I was—I had the pleasure of meeting your lovely folks for the first time. They've—they've they've given me this lemonade, and your your mom and your dad are both kind of like, you know, they're smiling. Oh, you didn't tell us that that your professor was coming. We've heard so much about him, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and is the, there's the general kind of like bustle of people getting together. Mm. Hey, well, it's always good to see you, Doc, but uh, tell your man's outside you need to play cool, you know? Tell him to throw his cigarettes away. Mm, I'll, I'll make sure he cleans up after himself. You, you have to forgive Horton. He's a bit of a, of a tough customer at times, but that's why I keep him around. It's all good. Robert, would you, would you mind if, if you and I had a, had a chat somewhere? Uh, sure. Um, yeah. Uh, what's, what's on your mind? He, he puts an arm around your shoulder and, uh, Anita like instantly steps in his place to kind of keep your parents occupied. And he leads you through the back door. Uh, I'm imagining there's like a small awning that y'all can stay under out of the rain. He pulls a, a packet of cigarettes out of his pocket, offers one to you. No, you know how to do that. Teach their own. He takes it, lights up. How's the, uh... How's the bass playing going? Um, you know, <coughs> I got, <coughs> excuse me, what? <coughs> Lord, it's Mlet coming out. Um, uh, you know, I got my little audience out here. Uh, sometimes there may be, you know, five, ten people show up. Um, it's good, though. I got no complaints. Good. I'm, I'm glad to hear you're happy. And how is our, uh, and he gestures toward your necklace friend doing with you he he can be a little ornery sometimes you know what i mean um but he you know makes sure that i stay with it we go out for swims almost every day um yeah excellent news um fuller sits down in in kind of a lawn chair that's back here invites you to to sit with him and he says, "This little town's been getting a lot of attention lately, Robert. Have you been have you been noticing anything, you know, more unusual than normal happening around here?" I mean, you know, we on the Texas Gulf course. It don't take much to see some strange shit going on. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, of course, I do know what you mean. But the but the clearing. What's going on? What's going on with the clearing? 
Um, what have you been hearing about, Doc? Let's start there. He uh, he exhales a, a cloud of smoke, shakes his head. Whew. What have I been hearing? Been hearing stories about ghosts. Been hearing stories about dead kids coming back to life. Been hearing stories about demons taking the form of alligators. And he just like, you know, I think most people, when you talk to them about demons, they probably, you know, reflexively retract a little bit from the almost ridiculous sounding phrase. And he doesn't, right? He just like, he's totally confident and cool with this. Demons taking the form of alligators? I've been hearing a lot. I also have heard that there's a bit of a... um, People have been doing some digging into who owns it. Now, your folks were just telling me the very good news that uh, your grandma might have left you the dang thing. Um, I'd say you pretty much caught up. Um, You know, uh, Granny left me at least what I, you know presume is the entire clearing but I, I gotta be honest with you doc um i don't quite know what all of this means um and it's kind of funny that you show up today of all days because um i have a few questions of my own that i want to ask some folks hmm. ask away ask away my friend well um for starters what do you remember um hearing if anything about granny about the kinds of things that used to happen here because i know this isn't your first time hearing about this little old town Mm. all i really know is what you told me that she helped you acquire this uh here that she she had a, a connection with this area with this town let me actually, sorry, let me actually pause real quick. What you, I, I just want to frame to make sure that we're getting what we want out of this scene, which is that you want to kind of know what Willie May's involvement was in, yes, in kind of the kingdom game, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. So he says, he says all those things. I know what you told me. I also remember hearing a rumor from the mid 60s from another friend of mine that was in town at the time, that that there was some strange shit that went down, that people had, there seemed to be a collective nightmare people recorded of seeing these, I don't know, black clouds, black arms in the sky. Very confusing stuff, but maybe not completely out of the ordinary for people like you and me. And Anita, did you notice? I did. Um, she got some nice threads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with my with my guidance. So, so, so when did when did all of this happen? Only about a couple years ago. Uh, right after I left. Right after you left. Oh man, you couldn't wait to replace me, huh? I've got to have I've got to have people who understand what it's like. Hey, I hear you, man. I hear you. Well, um, what about you? You got any you got any friends around? Um, you know, like I told you, I got my got my adoring audience of a couple people. Um, and you know, I, I, I guess you've been hit to the news. So I also think that you probably know that as a, as a, you know, there's a couple of us running around, um, you know, trying to figure some things out, but you know, all I can say is that we're still trying to figure some things out. 
Well, may- maybe I can help. What are you trying to What are you trying to figure out? And you're friendly, right? You're all friendly. Um, you know, to a certain definition of the word friend, but um, let's 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 slow down here for a second. Um, how did you find out about all this recent stuff? I think. And Robert's kind of a little. He wants to sort of poke Doctor Fuller's mind a little bit, but he's also hesitant. Mm-hmm. Um to do so um, because he doesn't quite know where the doctor, the good doctor is coming from with his message. Yeah. Sorry. So what was the, what was the question you asked? You asked him. So where have you, where? Oh yeah. What have you, you, how have you been hearing all these things? Yeah. Um, He says, when you're at the eye of the storm, it's sometimes hard to see the storm. You catch me? Robert Is that another one of your monastic Buddhist things? He laughs. <laughs> uh, you know I could never get behind religion, my friend. <laughs> no. There's a a storm coming, and I don't just mean these rain clouds. Or rather, there's a storm here. And the rest of us who are all outside are watching things build and whirl. And you're in the middle of it. This town, I should say. Is in the middle of it. We can, uh, as soon as you step foot outside of the clearing, you get the feeling that there's something going on here. Let's just say I've been I've been keeping my eye on the clearing since you and I met, and news has picked up of late of strange things here. I always thought it was strange that swimming in a swamp would be something that a demon would desire, and, well... There seems to be a lot of weird shit going on around here. Yeah, it's it's tough, man, let me tell you. Um, I feel like everyone around me speaks in riddles, and if it's not riddles, then it's something I can't understand altogether. And we're kind of left to, you know, figure out the pieces. Just the other day, you know, we see someone severed hand behind a dumpster. You know, we see like tall alabaster witches telling mm. us the exact same thing that you're telling me. His interest definitely peaks when you mention the alabaster witches, for sure. Man, you don't and you Robert, don't deserve that. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. He he was just gonna say, man, you don't deserve riddles. Let me let me put it to you straight, Robert. I'm in town. Because I think that you have a bit of a hot spot on your hands. That the clearing is going to be a a valuable player, let's say, in the coming decades. In our, in our particular circles. And I just think if we manage to get a bit of a better handle on it, that we would... Mm, find ourselves in a more advantageous position. And what I'm hoping that you can do is to help me together, you and me, to make sure that it stays in responsible, a responsible curator's hands. You feel me? You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I dig it. I dig it. No doubt. No doubt. Um... How long are you in town for? As long as you need me to be. But don't take too long either. 
No, I was saying, don't you have to teach? I'm on sabbatical. Plus, it's the summer. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, um, this is what happens when you get tenure. <laughs> He's not a grad student. Yeah, yeah. You you want to plot and scheme and do other stuff. Um, all right. Well, um, if you're gonna be around for a little bit, then um, you know, at the very least, you can stay for dinner. Uh, you and Nita both, and um, I'll show you around tomorrow. You know, I bet you I haven't seen shit out here. No, I haven't seen shit. I'd love that. And your mother already invited us. I already said yes. Word. Well, I need say no more. Let's dig in. Beautiful. Love it. Throughout dinner, Horton. So I'll give you this guy's name. You've got Anita Q. You've got Professor Fuller. Uh, the guy who is outside who you pick up fairly quickly is kind of hired muscle that Fuller has brought along is named Horton Rills. R-I-L-L-S. And he, he doesn't come inside. He just hangs out and chain smokes. He's a vampire, isn't he? Man, I know things that you don't. (laughs) 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 So basically what Professor Fuller is telling you is that he wants to control the clearing, right? Um, And he is asking you to help him. So what's, uh, you know, Dinner happens. We we get like a nice montage scene of everybody like sharing food. There's cornbread. There's okra, mashed potatoes. I don't know something quick that that your mother could make on short notice. You know, oven chicken probably, and um, and then after it breaks up, everybody heads out. I mean, the folks who don't live there <laughs> head out the front door, mm-hmm. and um, Professor Fuller gives you another embrace and he says. Don't let anybody in town push you around, man. You gotta, you gotta st- stick with those that know you. I'll hear from you soon, yeah. Hey, burst the word. I'm interested to hear more about these, uh, these witches, especially. Burst the word, man. Um, where y'all posted up at? I'll come visit y'all tomorrow. Oh, we're at the. Uh... Oh man, fuck. He's definitely not staying at uh, whatever lunch. little like motel. Um, okay, so let not me... the Econolodge. <laughs> no, no, we're not at the Econolodge. I don't know. I don't. I was gonna pick like a specific town, but I don't want to bother doing that. He just says, "Oh, we're at the Hilton mm-hmm. over in in the next town over." Okay. Okay, and you and you watch them take off. Horton drives them. He uh, as Horton walks down the like sidewalk to the car, gets in. Uh, he looks down at your feet. Like Horton looks through the window down at your feet and there's just like a little pile of cigarette butts that he didn't clean up. And he uh, he like gives you a wink and then pulls away. Dickhead. <laughs> so Robert, what's your what's your feeling now, right? Um definitely trepidation. He Dr. Fuller has given off uh, very treacherous vibes. Imlac has been able to pick it up and Robert's kind of keeping his, you know, doubts at bay. Uh, One, because he really admires Dr. Fuller as a scholar and as a person, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, for the same reasons he admires Anita Q. Um, But Imlac, you know, Imlac is basically telling him, like, you know, see where this goes, but also be ready to strike back at a moment's notice. Mm, Interesting. Um, And he 
doesn't want to reveal too much about uh, Joan or uh, Samson, um, although I do suspect that he will want to introduce everyone at some point, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to escalate things, as it were. Um, but yeah, it, it just sort of, it's another heaping of, like, just more people trying to jerk him around. Um, you know, he has Dr. Fuller, he has that party, he has, like, Samson, who's awakened a new demon, um, you know, like, how am I going to step up and, mm-hmm. you know, sort of take my place as the rightful owner of the clearing? Yeah, I love this. So this is these are all things that you're thinking as you're kind of walking back through the rain, which has definitely picked up at this point. It's later in the day, so the sun is actually down. It's pouring rain. What are you going to do? Like, like, I kind of just want to stick with you. Like, I want to stick with this moment with Robert where he's having this kind of internal crisis and has to decide what's next. So he actually um, intended to go home to uh, ask his folks about what had happened um, back in the 60s with uh, his grandmother. Mm-hmm. And he even had like a sort of, uh, what do you call it, like mimeographed or like copied um, like article of the events that day. And he has circled in pencil uh, the name of Travis Trent. Right. You know, the, the guy who was killed. Um, but seeing that he wasn't able to really bring it up because Dr. Fuller was there, he's kind of left to investigate this on his own, um, mm-hmm. at least for the time being. So I have two like branches that I want to take with this. Um, and is it cool if like to just sort of brainstorm vocally, or yeah. do you want us to just no, no, the... absolutely. So 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 one thing would be like we mentioned the arcade stuff earlier um robert too enjoys uh playing at the arcade on the boardwalk because for one that's where willie may used to take him when she would have to watch him while she was on work Mm -hmm. um and that's kind of where he also goes to just blow off some steam Um, The other option would be uh, because it's later in the day, he goes back to his place, picks up his base and goes to the to to the to the club. Um, And I'm going to just start calling it the club for ease because I'm terrible (laughs) at remembering shit. Um, (laughs) And, you know, there, you know, like there could be a possible Anita Q encounter because we haven't had a really chance to establish their relationship in the frame of this podcast yet um so those are two options yeah um the other option that i would i would toss your way and and Kiefer and sharon should both feel free to toss other things out that they might um think would be intriguing directions the other option that i would point out is an encounter with jim lewis okay just because like he is he's a figure from the that Willie Mae has talked to you about before. So he is someone else that you might go to because you know that he knew her in that period and you know that there's something weird with him going on. That he's a sorcerer or or something else, maybe. 
like I have an idea about how that could happen accidentally. Like you just run into him or you could seek him out. Um, any of the above. I think he would probably seek him out because the last time he ran into Jim accidentally and sort of freaked out like, yo, where the fuck are your eyes? Yeah, he bolted. Um, so, so we don't want that again. Um, don't want that again. Respect your elders and all that. Um, so I think with that newspaper clipping in hand, he actually goes to Jim's place. Cool. Okay. So that's fairly easy to find. Like, I think you can you can just ask around a little bit. So we get a couple of shots of you, you know, you walk into Tommy Joe's, the, the general store. You ask them if they know where this guy lives, et cetera, et cetera. And eventually you get pointed to um, a small, really small house near the edge of the clearing. It's probably a different edge of the clearing than some, a lot of the other spots we've seen on screen before but it's near where like there's lots of like lush overgrowth um that kind of thing it's a small mm -hmm. i mean it's basically a studio even though it's its own like house there's not really a, a yard to speak of you don't see any cars you don't even see like a mailbox uh as you walk up to it rain is coming down even heavier now uh you can see that there's like a flickering light on inside the house as well all right, so Robert basically dashes underneath the uh, tin roof of uh, Jim's place and is knocking on against the uh, sort of screen door, which is like, you know, sort of mesh. Mm -hmm. And it's like a rattling sound. It's like, hey, anybody home? Yeah, uh, you give it a minute and the door opens all the way. It doesn't like crack open for him to, to peer out at you. It, he just opens it and... Jim's staring, standing there. He's wearing exactly the same clothing you saw him wearing at the library. I'm picturing like black slacks and like a, a white shirt. And he opens the door. He sees you just like a beat, just like a short moment. And then he pushes open the screen door. You realize neither of the doors were locked. Like he didn't bother locking them. He pushes open the screen door <laughs> and, and turns around waiting for you to come through. Hey, Mr. Jim, you busy? He sits down in a, uh, in like a, a kind of ratty, not because it's like dirty, but just because it's old, like a ratty red recliner, not recliner, um, upholstered chair. That's really what I'm thinking of. Like almost like the chair from uh, The Matrix, right? From the opening where uh, <laughs> when Neo is first explaining everything to, when Morpheus is first explaining everything to Neo, he sits down in this chair and there's an identical one across from him there's a little um like iron stove in the corner of the room which is keeping this room extremely hot and it's burning that's where the flickering light was coming from and he sits down looks up at you he doesn't say anything he's just obviously waiting for you to to sit down in the chair opposite him all right you got some uh nice dudes up in here mr jim i think i'll just help myself here um, no, and uh, my bad about the uh, other day. I, I didn't, uh, you know, I had a track meet to go to. You know how things just go to catch up with you. Um, Would have stuck around. You know, I, I had mean? a track meet to go to. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, God. Jim's Jim's face is just like totally, totally stone faced. He doesn't he doesn't reply. He's just staring straight at you. Although it's hard to tell if he's staring straight at you because there are no pupils. There are no irises or anything like that. Um, 
again, they're just like holes in his face. Um, and But his head is turned your direction and you think he's looking at you and it's very disconcerting. Oh. <laughs> and so there's like, there's another, there's an awkward, you know, maybe minute of you sitting there drumming your fingers nervously, waiting for him to say something. Rocking back in the chair and shit. Um, not making direct eye contact with a man who has no eyes. Like, just all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, does Jim speak up first, or does Robert just sort of break the silence? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be Robert. What's happening here is Jim is waiting for you to say something worthwhile. <laughs> Jim is waiting for you to <laughs> to say the reason you're here. All right, Mr. Jim. Um, I, I feel like you know basically everything about the shit I'm going through. And, you know, I'm sorry for not hitting you up before, but um, I got this visit today um, from someone who uh, you might be vaguely familiar with. And um, it's just a lot going on Uh, between this, uh, between this uh, cat named Travis Trent, and um, I, I've kind of spoken to a lot of people in this town, you know, in code, but I, I think you're the first person who I'm just going to blurt this out. Um, what the fuck happened back in the day? Ooh, yeah, I like that. What the fuck happened back in the day? <laughs> so he lays it out for you. He just starts talking, right? He is not a man of, of many words anymore, right? He doesn't beat around the bush. So he tells you the story of the kingdom and a few things on top of it. He says that when he decided to stay, that the clearing asked a price of him and that he became its protector. And that what happened with Jeremy Phelps was that, and the way Phelps was able to grow a new body, was that the clearing tried to adopt him as its protector. The clearing tried to draw, you know, Phelps was someone who had a natural talent for the kind of sorcery that y'all do. And it tried to draw him into it, and he was unprepared, and uh, he was going to take irresponsible actions in regards to the clearing. And so instead, the clearing effectively reached out to Jim, and it needed Jim to destroy Jeremy Phelps, which he did. And in regards to Travis Trent, that was a, an unfortunate but necessary collateral damage, effectively. Yeah, so that's what he lays out, right? I imagine that y'all sit there for a couple of hours just with Jim talking to you, and he doesn't stop. He, like, barely stops to take a breath. He tells you the whole thing about the kingdom from finding Phelps, from his relationship with Ruby Bataille. Mm. Oh, right. I actually don't know if he mentions that. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm making mental notes of the of the stuff that he tells you mm-hmm. now or might tell you later. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so what he, he tells you about his relationship with Ruby Bataille, all that stuff about the clearing that I just mentioned. Um, and then he pauses, right? Um, it's maybe eight or nine o'clock at this point. Y'all have sat here for a while. Um, the fire has burned down a little bit and he... He stands in this moment where he's taking a break, walks over to it, grabs the door. You realize that the door to the stove doesn't have a handle. 
or if it did, the handle rotted off a long time ago. He just grabs the door, which is who knows how how many degrees it is, opens it, puts a piece of wood in, closes the door, doesn't get burned, <laughs> and he sits back down. And yeah, do you have a reaction to these things he's telling you? So the the big pieces of information he's giving you is that the clearing asked him to be its protector, effectively, that he was he was brought in to be it. And that there was kind of this conflict between him and its former protector, Jeremy Phelps. So his uh, first reaction would be, this shit would have never happened in Beaumont. And (laughs) the second, um, he honestly would just be like, yo, this this makes total sense. Um, Given just everything that's happened and i guess he also tells him about how his aunt was left paralyzed too right yeah yeah absolutely that is something that jake would be able to tell you as well not jake fuck sorry too many j's and now we have (laughs) another one jerry fuller um (laughs) this is this you're the one doing this to be clear (laughs) i did not name jerry fuller thank you very much i didn't do jerry fuller um i did jerry fuller uh shout out to uh dr ward if you ever listen to this um thank you uh, shout out to Hoyt Fuller, who died like 40 years ago. Uh, thank you. Oh, sorry that I'm potentially turning a real person into an antagonist. Oh, no, that's that's, that's totally fine. I, um, you know, it is what it be, right? Yeah, word. <laughs> yeah, so that is definitely something else that, that Jim would express to you as well, is how how your aunt was, how she was paralyzed effectively in the kind of like, the fate of balances, right? That Willie May, um, that Willie May's actions brought this to account. Ah, man. Man, man, man. So you say all this stuff, but do you know about the witches? They've been telling me some things. Um, oh, and, and you called them, we've been calling them the Bayou witches. Um, but yeah. you called them the alabaster witches earlier, and it was just so much better. So that's yeah, what I'm going to go with from now on. Um, <laughs> you mean the alabaster witches? I have encountered them, of course. They are part of the clearing's lifeblood. Well, uh, they've been saying some uh, not-so-life-bloody things about you, partner. Um, they've been... We, uh, and he accidentally sort of lets out the, the we pronoun, um, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty sure Jim knows everything about the other two. Um, we've been contacted by these, uh, these witches, and they said that a crisis was imminent and that the current guardian of the clearing has neglected their duty. Um, they, haven't, they don't look at you too fondly, Mr. Jim. Um, at that I think I think Jim stands walks over to the window and looks out into the rain turns back and for the first time since you've ever met you know you've probably only met him a total of three or four times but for the first time ever you see emotion on his face um, and he looks troubled the witch has told you this why would they not come to me um well you know, after Granny died, she left me the clearing, um, indeed. And, um, you know, we were out there, you know, maybe a couple of weeks ago. And, yeah, 
They, uh, they said that if we don't step up, essentially the clearing as we know it will, won't be like that no more. And they kind of pointed the finger at you for not doing enough to stop it. Jim moves back to his chair, sits down. I am very tired, Robert. I know that you were always the one that Willie May thought would make a better protector of this place than I. I think that's one reason why she was so keen to make sure you and Imlac bonded. And I would be happy to carry out her wishes. And in fact, the fact that you now own the clearing by law is adds to the potentiality of that. However, neither I nor the witches get to choose who becomes the protector. And I think that the clearing has its eye on another. Your friend. The young one. Really? <laughs> she has been a sorceress since birth. Her mother was was there as your grandmother was, as I was, in 1964, when the clearing nearly escaped its bounds. I like, I like actually that there's like a moment of air there where, where the two of you don't <laughs> say anything. Um, how did the witches contact you? They always send a sign to draw one in. <laughs> we... <laughs> I might have gone knocking at their door, much like I did with you today. And um, we went a little further in than we usually do. And we wound up in this totally new place. And there they were, just sort of like, you know, ready at present, you know, ready to present. And uh, yeah, they were actually kind of nice once you got past the cryptic messages you know much like you you're doing to me um he he kind of nod nods his head he says you saw the clearing itself and the reason we call it the clearing is for this place you saw and then he he kind of shakes his head again it's it's very strange that you found your way there without invitation so here's here's really my question for for robert does robert mention the hand or does he, for some reason, keep that detail close to his chest? Um, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't um, at this point. Um, so he'll, you know, and the reason we even, like, managed to get to the clearing was that there was a weird incident. Uh, you don't need to know the details, but basically uh, there's alligators and someone's, like, severed hand. And, you know, it was just... A lot going on that day. On top of that, like, uh, we, you know, kind of bombed our performance. And it just wasn't a good day. My mom ran out of Sanka. Um, <laughs> you know, just the just whole nine yards. I was going to squeeze that Sanka reference in somewhere today. <laughs> <laughs> and have you found the owner of this missing hand? It was it was Phelps, right? Yeah, it was... It was... Somehow it was Jeremy Phelps. Yeah, well, um, it was your guy, uh, Jeremy Phelps, who you disposed of. He he shakes his head. That's not that is not possible. 
I destroyed Jeremy Phelps 16 years ago. Well, uh, we we got we got resources, and we discovered that through those resources, this was the severed hand of one Jeremy Phelps. Now he looks very troubled, right? Maybe bordering on frightened. Um, he stands. He paces the room a little bit. As he paces the room, I think the the fire like grows dimmer. It's almost like shadows are increasing in the room to match how Jim is is so troubled. He and he's he's just kind of like again just shaking his head. That's not. This should not be possible. Phelps cannot be back. Phelps was destroyed. I burned him. I burned him. There was nothing for him to come back from. Well, I mean, doesn't matter what happened. Phelps might be back, and you're the guardian of this place. I own the place. We gotta do something. What do you What do you suggest we do? Well, that's partially why I came here today. Between the Phelps thing and the Alabaster witches and Jerry, uh, Doctor Doctor Fuller. I want to call him Phelps, uh, Doctor Fuller. Um, it's just a lot going on, and I feel like I don't have the strength or the clarity to do this all by myself. That's why I'm reaching out to you, as someone who has been chosen to guard this place. What is it can I do? in order to get to the bottom of this. Mr. Chesmerd, if if the witches have reached out to you, the witches are the mouthpiece of the clearing. If they say that I am going to be unfit for whatever is coming, then they are not wrong, as much as it pains me to say that. You must find Jeremy Phelps and put an end to him and put a stop to whatever his plans are. All right. Well, I guess we're going to commit murder. <laughs> Again. Again. <laughs> Electric boogaloo. Um, God. So in his mind, he is stuck on uh, something that he said a few minutes ago, which was Joan was to be yeah. the new guardian of the clearing. Yep. Um, and before he leaves, um, because he's found out everything he's ever wanted to know, <laughs> and then some. Um, but he turns around as he's leaving, and the rain has kind of slacked up, but it's still pouring down. And he's, he goes, the girl you mentioned, Joan, should I tell her about this? <laughs> I, was, I was literally about to say, you must do what you think is right, of course. How does he phrase it? He doesn't quote Star Wars. That's good. You should follow your conscience, Robert. So Ted Cruz. Um... Oh, yeah, never mind. Revive. <laughs> um, um, no, I mean, he, he says he says that he trusts your judgment, right? He says to, to do right. to do as your as your intuition tells you. And he, I have one more thing I want him that he's going to tell you as you try to leave. But if you have other, if you have other questions for him at the moment, I don't want to curtail that. Now let's say I don't tell her about this. What then? Either the clearing will have its way, or you will. 
I don't know what to tell you beyond that. Well, um, no, I certainly appreciate it, Mr. Jim. Um, and uh, let me know if you want to stop by, you want me to stop by with some actual food. Um, you know, you look like you're starving over here. I stopped eating a long time ago. Yeah, I can tell. <laughs> um, so as you, as you, are are you turning to go at this point? It kind of sounded yes. like what you were planning. Yeah. Um, as you turn to go and you open the door, Jim calls out to you. You said that Jeremy, Jeremy, Jesus Christ. You said that Jerry Fuller is in town. That's right. He and I had a relationship when we were younger. I would not trust him if I were you. I see. Well, um, something more to think about, I guess. I'll be off. But I'll catch okay. you on real soon. Love it. Let's, just to wrap this episode up, um, let's cut over to Joan, just to get kind of our last beat. Um, yeah. Joan, you approach the boardwalk. Are you doing anything? It's It's... Let's just say it's about the same time, right? You kind of, you steal your, by the time you steal yourself and get ready, um, and maybe you even decide that coming under the cover of night would be um, more advantageous to your plans. So, uh, you know, we cut to the boardwalk at about the same time as this conversation is wrapping up. Have you taken any kind of special preparations beforehand, or are you just coming to try and scout things out and you're going to try and stay back if you can? Um, I think she's going to try and stay back, like kind of just like peer in the window a bit. I was going to say the dog, like go the dog route again, but uh, Travis Trent has already seen her as a dog. So <laughs> um, maybe in normal human form, um, just kind of doing a, a slow walk by the window of the arcade and peering in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you don't you don't see anyone as you do your slow walk past the arcade. Do you head inside? Yeah, I think she does. Cool. So the arcade, especially this time of night, you know, the overhead lights are low to non-existent. There's lots of like clattering of pinball machines. I had to remember what that word was. Um, <laughs> you know, other 80s appropriate arcade um, games being played, flashing lights, sounds. You know, you proceed down the aisles and just as you're about to give up, you turn around and you run into kind of a um, one of those pushed trash bins and mm -hmm. standing behind it wearing a janitor's uniform is Travis Trent. He's looking down at you. He doesn't look friendly because that's not his face, but he yeah. just says, are you lost little miss? And you can see in the trash bin is the corpse dog, which is, uh, it, has its, it has its front paws on the edge of the trash bin and it's just like panting looking around it and that's <laughs> sorry go ahead oh no it's like he's like pushing it around like a stroller yeah yeah exactly oh uh -huh. my god and it has cloak so other people can't see it you have encountered it yeah. before you're a, a sorcerer <laughs> so you can um that is where we will cut this episode for today um thanks everybody for listening i think we we did like a ton of really good work today both in terms of like you know, talking honestly and collaboratively about what we want the story to look like from here and made progress towards both like things like kickers and um, 
and moving against antagonists and figuring out what's up in this weird town of delivery. So thanks everybody for listening and we will see you again in two weeks. Thank you.